you would, please turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 16. We'll have a word of prayer and we will study over the next five weeks one of the uh, texts that people like to hear the most in the body of Christ. Giving. (laughs) Doesn't everybody like that? So I'm glad we don't have no visitors because usually visitors show up and you're teaching on giving. And you guys know that uh, I teach on giving when my text tells me I'm to teach on giving. And that happens to be where I'm at today. Father, we come before your throne (sighs) overwhelmed with our redemption. Father, overwhelmed with our salvation. And Father, uh, overwhelmed that you've given us your word to grow us, to strengthen us, uh, to convict us. Father, to show us you. Help us, Lord. Help us to have ears to hear and eyes to see. And Father, uh, work mightily in each of us as we look at this over the next few weeks. May we rejoice. Joy of our salvation. The coming day of the Lord which will resurrect us Father, the joy of being children of the King of kings and Lord of lords. To your glory and to your praise. Amen. I'll read it. We're going to start here kind of... Uh, if Those of you who know and have been with me for a while, know that I sort of give a, here's what we're looking at now, whenever we change um, uh, themes. Um, what's fascinating about this text is I know that you look at chapter 16, verse 1, but if you go back to the original language, you will find that the paragraph thought, thought actually starts in verse 58 of chapter 15 and then rolls through 4 of 16. Okay? And, and, and you'll see why it does that here in, in just a second. But let's read these first four verses and then we'll pick it up. Because do you realize this? We are in the last chapter of 1 Corinthians. Can you believe it? I mean, we are, are, are about to wrap up a letter after a few years. Uh, I, 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 let's read this. and then Because uh, I was thinking about this earlier. Uh, we were looking at the scrapbook. Um, you guys got to check out this new scrapbook that that's our history, kind of what we're doing. And it, <laughs> I looked at it and it has like a highlight for each year. And it says, and Terry is teaching on Sunday mornings from Matthew. Then you go over the next year and Terry is teaching on Sunday mornings from Matthew. And he teaches it over and then Terry is teaching on Sunday mornings from Matthew. And I was like, dude, <laughs> this is, we just <laughs> teach. Oh, and Terry picked up Galatians on Sunday night. <laughs> but he's still teaching on Matthew. Right. <laughs> so, anyway. Now, concerning collection for the saints, as I directed the churches of Galatia, so do you also. On the first day of every week, each one of you is to put aside and save as he may prosper, so that no collection be made when I come. When I arrive, whomever you may approve, I will send them with letters to carry your gift to Jerusalem. And if it is fitting for me to also go, they will go with me. Fascinating text. 
All right. Listen, we have just come out of chapter 15 with a, a, a grandeur, a, a greatness uh, on the resurrection. Uh, I, I mean, if you're really honest with yourself, chapter 15 is so magnificent. It is so beyond anything you and I could ever dream. The resurrection, glorified bodies, the voice of God himself calling the dead out of the grave. This great transformation in the twinkling of an eye in a moment. The day when our bodies become like Jesus the Christ. The day when the trumpet sounds. The day when heaven explodes into our reality. And every imagination is fulfilled far beyond what your imagination could even perceive. Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, death, where is your victory? And then verse 16.1 says, not concerning the collection. That's fascinating. I mean, there's a part of me says, well, has Paul got like a sense of humor? Okay, because, you know, but you know what? It is only in our society, it is only our generation who is cranky about the church talking about giving. Did you know that? It's a new phenomenon. Concerning the collection, basically what he's done is he exalted the heavenlies to show you what is coming, broke out in praise, and then bang, drops you right back down to where you live. I mean, it's our favorite passages, huh? Giving money to the church. Hmm. You know, and I know people, and you know what? There are churches that teach it every Sunday. Okay? But I will tell you this. It's going to take about five weeks to get through this first four verses. So... You've been warned. If you don't want to know about giving, um, I would take the month off. (laughs) I mean, that's my counsel to you. Because here's the thing that I want you to think about. These four verses are loaded with what's going on. and, And I will set a stage for it on this day. See, Paul, you need to understand something. It's like I said, verse 58 is in the in the Greek text is the beginning of the paragraph. And it goes through verse 4. Alright, so when you see this, it says, Therefore, my br- beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, all, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil is not in vain in the church, now considering the collection for the saints. Hmm. He has been in the heavenly, he's been dealing with a a subject, a a topic, a a theology that is so massive. The grandeur of the resurrection. And he takes a step right into the very mundane. Okay? 
But you know what? He steps right into the here and now. He says, look at the future. Now here's the here and now. The offering. Listen, I want you to think about this. I watch people get uptight when the pulpit begins speaking of money. But I want you to think about something. Isn't it the perfect illustration how Christianity operates? Now, some would argue with that. But I guarantee you that by the time I'm done today, I will have destroyed, obliterated, crushed, and disregarded that argument. Every glimpse, I want you to think about Scripture for a second. Every glimpse we ever get on future glory, okay, I don't care where the text is, is only given to us to encourage us to a deeper sense of commitment to responsibility of the here and now. All right? Anytime you look at Scripture, you look to the future, and this is what's coming, the streets of gold, the trees that bear fruit. Anytime you look to the resurrection, the day of the Lord, to being caught up in the clouds, anytime you look at any of those texts, immediately following is the realization of your commitment now. Let me give you a very, very good illustration of this. Um, Comes out of 2 Peter. 2 Peter chapter 3. Peter is writing to people who are losing their lives for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Some of these, when they come to Christ, are Jews, and they are set out of the synagogue, which means they no longer have ability to make business. They no longer have the ability to earn an income and they have no safety net because the church would take care of their own. And they would lose this. I, I knew a guy a few years ago, you, some of you who've been together for a while, remember Norm Magnus, he was a Jew And he came to Christ and his family had a funeral and put a tombstone in a Baltimore graveyard with Norm's name on it. And he says, he's no longer ours. Our son is dead. Okay, cut all ties. So Peter's writing, you have the outbreak of the Roman persecution that is going on and you have all of these Jewish believers who are literally having to forfeit their families okay and they're all doing it for what let me show you I thought you'd never ask he says this but the day of the Lord verse 10 the day of the Lord will come like a thief in, the, in which the heavens will pass away with a roar And the elements will be destroyed by intense heat. And the earth and its works will be burned up. Since all of these things are to be destroyed in this way, what sort of people ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? Looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God 
because of which the heavens will be destroyed by burning and the elements will melt with intense heat. But according to his promise, we are looking for the new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Therefore, you know what that's for there, right? Let me summarize it. Beloved, since you look for these things, be diligent to be found by him in peace, spotless and blameless. Okay? You look to the future. He's going to judge it all. It will all be destroyed. You get the new heaven, the new earth, the glorified body, the resurrected body that now has the ability to live forever and ever in the presence of Jesus Christ. You need to be doing this now. Be spotless. Be blameless in the Lord. What manner should you be? Is the literal text. Glimpses of the future are just laid for us to understand the responsibility of our presence. Right now. What are you doing now? Right now. When the Spirit of God in the 15th chapter of 1 Corinthians shows us the fantastic reality of the resurrection day, this transformation... Incredible things God has prepared for us. It should have a tremendous impact on the way we live right now. Right now. Even to the point of the mundane, which is how we put our money in the collection. It's an interesting message to be teaching in light of our financial situation in this country, don't you think? I would like to tell you I planned that, but you would know I was crazy. <laughs> After all, I want you to think with me. This is more of a, well, what do you think? If this body is going to be transformed, if we are going to leave this world, um, Linsky calls this world the veil of tears. If we are going to leave this and we are only going to spend it forever, forever in heaven, We really shouldn't be worrying about investing too much in the here and now, should we? Should a financial burden in the here and now be my priority? If I'm out of here, if I'm going to leave the veil of tears... Have you ever thought about it? Jesus did. I like Jesus in this text. Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. 6, 19. Jesus, this is the really good stuff because in your Bibles, and some of your Bibles, this would be the red letter. 
Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust and destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasure in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in or steal it. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. There's one of them giving texts, ain't it? He's trying to make us all feel bad. You know what? If you're giving as God has given to you, then you will not be convicted of this message, any of these messages. If you are withholding, as Dr. Olford once told me, he says, you are stealing from God. And I'm thinking that he's got surveillance enough to see what's being taken. Kind of a drag. <laughs> and not only that, he can identify you. Listen, I, I guess it's the, the way I look at it is this. Am I investing in the forever or am I investing in the now? Or maybe I'm investing in the, you know, a little future. Listen, if you... If, if we are going to be glorified and we are going to get a brand new forever body and, and all that is in the future and all of this is passing away. All of this, as Peter said, is going to be melted. All of this will be destroyed. All of this will go back to dust. You know what? It makes no sense. And blowing a lot of dollars on it. Right? I'm, I, I know that, see, I, I don't remember how many times, five or six times I've been to Russia. A couple of the trips, people in this church paid it. And, and they, we raised the money. And, and then I remember a church down in Colorado Springs sent me once. Uh, but I think two of the trips, um, I literally cashed out my retirement to go. Uh, if I'd have known what was going to happen in the fall, I'd have cashed it all out because <laughs> the investment would have just been better. <laughs> Even if I just bought aluminum cans, it would have been better. But, but do you see what I'm trying to get at? This is all disappearing. This is all going to be gone. We receive a glorified body. We receive this forever body. It's all coming in the future. And why would I put a lot of emphasis on the dollars on this? Have you thought about it? And I, you know what? I understand the times are tight right now. I understand. Uh, listen, if you think I'm immune to the economic system, then I don't know what you're thinking. But... But I want you to think about this for a second because the key is, what am I investing in and what will its return be? Where my treasure is, there so also is my heart. And you know what? I can look at the church today and tell you where most Christians' treasure is. And it's going to rust. It's going back to dirt. And if that don't work, he's melting the very elements of it. So if you heap it all up, it's just going to turn into a pile of slag. If you don't know what slag is, you should have worked in the steel mills. 
Okay? That's the burn off of steel. If I could ever figure out what to do with slag, I'd become a very rich man. Um, it would make dross look valuable. <laughs> okay? <laughs> so, in case you were just wondering, dross is the impurities in gold. Slag is the impurities in metal. But I always thought, you know, if I could figure out a use for this, I could be rich because they were bringing it out in railroad train car loads. <laughs> what do you invest in? What do you invest in? If you go back to our text, we see here the collection. What the heck is he talking about? I know people who, and I have watched some... <laughs> do yoga moves to describe what this is without it being what it is. Okay? Because he says here, not concerning the collection. What is it? What's he talking about? Well, let me tell you. Let me kind of give you a little historical background. You and I have no concept of the degree of poverty that existed on the planet at the writing of the New Testament. You have no comprehension. You have never even experienced it. You have no idea what it is. I guarantee it. All right? You can take the poorest person in this country right now, and they would look extraordinarily rich compared to these people. Okay? You can't even gather it. Uh, I have seen the slums... Uh, of the Palestinians in West Bank and in Jericho. Um, I have seen some poor people uh, down in the Four Corners area when you get down toward Page, Arizona, uh, and there where they live in these trailers that look like that's where the wheels fell off. Okay, and I'm living here now. And I mean, no windows. Uh, they had cardboard stuck over them and all the rest of it. And you just sit and look at it and think, gee, many crickets. Um, I have seen the, the, some of the countryside when you move from Moscow down to Oriel that you could look out across there and it looks like you are 150 years back in time. People are heating their houses with sticks. They will go into the cities when they're trimming up all the bushes and they'll get a big cart full of all these little branches that have been cleaned off so they can heat their house for the winter. Most people have outhouses. Okay, now I know what an outhouse is. If you don't, you were blessed among men. I, I share this with you because I can even look at those and I don't see the poverty. The poverty that existed at the time writing of this letter is so incredible that you literally, if you could get work, you had enough work to feed yourself for that day. That's it. Day to day. Day, day to day. That's it. Okay? And the terrible thing was, if you didn't get the next day's work, you didn't eat. You didn't eat. I, 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 the poverty at the writing of the New Testament had death on it. That poverty could kill you. Very quickly. Very, very quickly. I have seen some very poor places. 
and yet they don't compare. They don't compare. But you know what? I I did a little historical background on it, and I found out that the Greek culture, and it had been sort of morphed into the Roman society, is there was a group of very wealthy, uh, and, and they would come together and they would in the Greeks and they would especially like the Greek Peninsula uh, Achaia and Macedonia uh, and they would offer no interest loans to people who um, basically what would happen is if there was a natural disaster or some kind of catastrophic event see what would happen then is like if there was a, an earthquake well all of a sudden your employer has no ability to employ and you didn't have, well, I'll take paid time off until the business is put back together. No, you ain't going to want money until the business is put back together or the shop is put back up or manufacturing comes back online. You're not going to get any money. And so you had these groups that would come together, uh, um, just a, a number of them, and they would offer no interest loans for people who had catastrophic events. And they would take care of people who, for whatever reason, it all collapsed. And now they have no ability. But you know what was amazing is the Jews did it. In the synagogues, you would have officials. And their responsibility was to look at the Jewish people of the synagogue. And anyone who has fallen on hard times, they would go through the officials. And the officials would decide if the charitable giving in the church would be given to this person, this individual in this situation. We see it today in our society. Uh, I get, and, and the way it is right now, I get calls daily right now. Do you pay phone bills? Do you pay heat bills do you pay electric bills can you make a mortgage payment can you put a new transmission in my buick or whatever all right and i get them all the time okay now we it slowed down a little bit when we moved from downtown because downtown it was all the time and listen there's people who go out there and and are cheating the system but what I'm trying to show you is that it was common to assist the poor. Remember what Jesus said? The poor you will always have with you. And we go through things. I mean, even this fellowship, you see people who lose their job or get cut back on their job or this moves to this or this moves to that. Financial things happen. Sometimes it's our own fault. Okay, you try to live like King Tut and you don't have royalty, you're some time you're going to have to pay the musicians if you're going to dance to that music. You know, um, I meet with a, a number of pastors here in town and they're being flooded. You know, and they're asking, do you do you have a form? I said, a form, you know, that you give people questions, you know, on, you know, you know, we, we just don't want to take over mortgages. And, and I said, well, no. I said, we try to keep ours in-house. I said, what do you mean in-house? I send all the transient ones to you guys. <laughs> we take care of the ones in the church. <laughs> and they all just look at me like, I wonder if he was kidding. <laughs> 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 
But you know what? I think at times the church is a little lacking um, to meet its own needs and, and, and to meet the needs of its own people. I really do. And I don't have to go outside of these walls. I mean, I don't have to look at other churches. See, um, we, we take advantage of the government. Um, and I believe that we should be giving in the name of Jesus Christ. Now, there are people out there who play the system. Absolutely. Okay? Right? But you know what? I'll go back with Dr. Olford said. Who are they stealing from? And do you believe his surveillance equipment can identify him? Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm not worried about it. If people want to come and take advantage of the church and the charity that, and the love that is in the church, uh, you know what? I, I'm, I am positive God knows how to deal with that. Okay? And they may think they're getting away with it, but you know what? They're not. They're not. I, I want you to think about this. Do you remember how the Apostle Paul came to uh, salvation? He was on the road to Damascus, and Jesus stopped him in his tracks. I mean, profoundly. Okay, and that was the ordaining of the Apostle Paul to be the Apostle to the Gentiles. But there's a fascinating thing happened that we see that event. All right, and yet Paul still could not be effective in the church because of what? The church didn't recognize him. So Paul took a trip to Jerusalem and he met with Peter and John and James, the Lord's half brother, who was the head of the church in Jerusalem. And they give him his doctrinal <laughs> test, or and they met with him because you know what he was doing in Jerusalem before, right? Arresting Christians. So he comes back and tells everybody he's been saved, and they're all saying, Yeah, all right. <laughs> You're just trying to get in so you can arrest more of us. So they make a meeting, and um, here's what happened. Um, in Galatians chapter 2, beginning at verse 9, recognizing the grace that had been given to me, James, Cephas, and John, who were reputed to be the pillars, gave to me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship so that we might go to the Gentiles and they too the circumcised. All right, this original group in Jerusalem would deal with the Jews and they were sending Barnabas and Paul to the Gentiles. But look what he says. They only asked us to what? Remember the poor. The very thing I also was eager to do. See, here's what happened to a Jew. If a Jew came to the knowledge of Jesus Christ, came to repentance, came to salvation, the synagogue removed them. And if your family didn't get saved, guess what? 
They removed you. And so now you got nothing. And guess what? Now the synagogue ain't going to help to feed you. You would never go to the Gentile pagans for it. And so there you stand preparing to starve to death. And there was a great movement of the Lord in Jerusalem and many Jews were ending up outside of any help whatsoever. So you see this letter to the Galatians that he says, let me tell you about how I came. Christ called me and the pillars of the church commissioned me with this one thing. Remember the poor. Remember those who are in need. See, if you're really honest with yourself, most people come to Christ when they're fat and happy. No, man, when you got that proverbial flushing sound. See, reaching to the poor is a door to reach to the soul, to reach for the forever investment. Have an opportunity to write this afternoon. Uh, came to me yesterday, uh, a young lady, well, not young, she's got teenage kids. Um, yeah, she's a young lady. Anyway, um, everybody's young. Um, and uh, seven months ago, her husband killed himself. And they got nothing now. And the life insurance wouldn't pay a nickel because suicide. So she's scrambling to try to make in. She's got these two teenage boys, you know, and I mean, one's like 13 and 15. Uh, and, and she don't know what to do. And I said, no problem. I got to pick up. I'll just haul all the food out of the closet downstairs. There. Okay. Why the poor are with us? And it's a door. Listen, I don't get no guarantees out of this. Here, I'm going to give you a hamburger and now you'll know Jesus. That ain't what it says. What did the Jerusalem council tell Paul? To remember the poor. Now that's fascinating because that's what he was told to do, right? Okay, now let me share with you something that's really kind of, that just freaked me out. Okay, I know. You just always freak out. But what can I say? When Paul is in Corinth, okay, he's on his third missionary trip. All right? Anybody know where he goes after Corinth? Jerusalem. That's when he gets arrested, ends up down in the hole. Did did you know that he wrote a letter when he was in Corinth? To the Romans. And here's what he says in Romans chapter 15, verses 25 and 26. 24 says, I want to come to be with you because I'd like to make a base that I can move out and plant church in Spain. Okay, that's what... He's concluding his letter to the Romans. And he says, but now 
I am going to Jerusalem serving the saints. What do you mean, Paul? For Macedonia and Achaia, can you know what that is? The Greek peninsula, have been pleased to make contributions for the poor among the saints in Jerusalem. When the pillars of the church said, remember the poor in Jerusalem, you know what Paul did? He remembered the poor in Jerusalem. He told the Philippians to send money, and they did. The Bereans to send money, and they did. And he told the Thessalonians to send money, and they did. He told the Galatians to send money, and they did. He told the group that was meeting in Athens to send money, and they did. And guess what he's doing in Corinth? And he takes the offering down. You know why? He wants to freak out the Jewish believers to say, Look, the love of Christ is so massive, it's gone through the Gentile believers, and they're here to meet your needs. That is fascinating. I that just blew my doors off. I'm sitting there going, Whoa! They said, here. You know what's amazing? They didn't say get circumcised. What did they say? Give money. Yeah, but that's just what everybody... That's what the Bible teaches. And in light of the resurrection, now concerning the collection, almost rhymes, And we don't, oh, he's, he's preaching on giving. I'm, I'm on vacation or something. You know how churches, that's all the churches ever want is money. No, the poor do. The poor do. I mean, if you look at your outline there, you'll see that there is a purpose for giving, a principles of giving, protection in giving, and perspectives of giving. I worked forever on that one. But anyway, why? Because Paul was counseled by the first church to do what? To give. Now let me ask you a question. If God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, where is that principle? Still here. Still working hard at it. You know, I remember, uh, <laughs> I remember Dr. Olver and me were having a discussion one time on the tithe. That's a wonderful topic, isn't it? I just love sharing the tithe with people and watch their eyes roll back in their heads. But we were discussing it. And I said, and I said, well, tithe don't make sense to me. And I said, you know, we've got people making $100,000 in America, so they give a tenth? He says, he looks at me and smiles, they won't. <laughs> but, but anyway, and, and, I, and I, said, I just sit there and I said, all right. Uh, um, and he says, well, let me ask you a question. And, and I said, what's that? He says, is God ever changing? I said, well, no. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he says, then that means the tithe is still in force. Still in force. See, we, we don't want... We will sit and say, oh, no, the Old Testament and the New Testament, they're the same, except for the tithe. In Dr. Olford's case, he says... 
Anything less than the tithe is dealing. Why? He says, because the poor are with you always. We have them in this church. We have people who are living sort of paycheck to paycheck. You know what? And our church has never been able to just generate enough cash to do that. Okay? I mean, you know what? This church has always, when you a need shows up, we got something to happen, we step up and get it covered. I had a friend that was in this church a few years ago. And um, this is when we were downtown. And I, I, I don't even know how long I'd been the pastor, but all of a sudden, some, one of the elders came up to me and says, you know, we have a balloon payment to pay off the mortgage on this place. And I said, really? And I said, uh, when? He said, in a month. <laughs> well, were we planning? <laughs> what? He says, I just forgot about it and didn't even read it and, and said it was right there. And I said, well, okay, well, how much is it? $25,000. No, dude, <laughs> it might as well be $25 million. Okay, so me being the great wizard and philosopher that I am says, well, let's go get a loan from the Baptist. <laughs> I mean, they're always taking my money. <laughs> let's see if they won't lend me some money. And we got together as a group of elders and we said, hey, what are we going to do about this? And of course they said, well, Terry, you're, you're the pastor. Announce it from the pulpit. <laughs> Why don't you announce it from the pulpit? <laughs> I'll stand behind you. <laughs> I'll back you up on this. Okay. And you know what? Um, we had four weeks. And within four weeks, we were uh, 3000 short. And um, I announced it the last time. And after the church services, I had three people waiting to say how much is needed. And I'll write you a check for it. And it was none of the three knew of the other one's intentions. So we were moving between the three saying, well, there's another. <laughs> so I said, well, let's bid this thing. See if we can, <laughs> you know, maybe I can get, go to the Bahamas and start a church. Okay, uh, and, and it was covered. But here's the problem that I have with that. I, I mean, I praise God for that kind of stuff. Don't get me wrong. But it, I read you that letter where the guy in St. Petersburg just gave him his fourth car. You think about that for a second. I know what it takes to have a car in Russia. Okay, you're you're looking at a mansion, um, and, and they just did it. We need to be understanding. We, I think the thing is that we need to be more proactive than reactive. Uh, you know, I, I remember a guy one time in a budget meeting sitting there saying, "Well, what you have to do is push it high. It motivates the people to give more." And I, yeah, just move the budget up, put a bunch of numbers in there, and the people will look at it and say, well, this is a good budget, and they'll have to give more. I've, what I've learned is that that never work. Never has. In, what, 17 years that I've been the pastor, it ain't never worked. I ain't never seen it work. You know what? And I can only remember a handful of times in that years that we made budget. Okay, but I mean, but the problem is we just don't spend nothing. If you don't spend nothing, you make budget. 
Okay, I wonder if the federal government ever get that. Anyway, uh, <laughs> sorry, you can delete that. Out of there. <laughs> yeah, he shakes his head and I delete. When I look at this text in 16, and I realize that it's flowing through out of 15, I have to ask but one question, and I want each of you to think about it. Do you live in light of resurrection power? Because that's what we're going to deal with these next four weeks. Because my giving is directly related to my hope in the resurrection. Or perhaps my lack of giving is directly related to my hope in the resurrection. If the Apostle Paul can walk out of Jerusalem with one purpose to remember the poor and everywhere he goes he collects for the poor in Jerusalem I'm thinking we need to be paying attention because what he has given you in 15 is beyond your imagination and he has given you a glimpse of the future so it will affect you now Good stuff, people. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the resurrection. Thank you for showing it to us. Thank you for my brother Paul who has gone before us and has set a path, a precedence that should speak to each of us. Father, I I just pray that uh, you help us here. And Father, that your hand will move on the hearts of each and every one of us as we move through this. And Father... Um, I praise you for this church. I am overwhelmed at what you do in this church. And yet, Father, so much more is there. Father, the imagination that I have on the resurrection, I can't even comprehend. And yet you will do exceedingly abundantly beyond what we can think or imagine. Help us, Lord. Help us to rest full weight in this truth. And Father, help us to walk in resurrection power. That our hope is not here on the material. Our hope is in the heavenlies. Our hope is in the things to come. Help us to walk, Father, in a manner worthy of our calling to your glory and praise. Amen.